right, so we're gonna, uh, she's gonna play and I'm gonna sing, uh, He Touched Me, and it's not in the hymnal, but if you know the song, uh, just go ahead and sing along, feel free to sing along. Shackled by a heavy burden Neat the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole since I met this blessed Savior since he's cleansed and made me whole I will never cease to praise him I'll shout every eternity roll He touched me, oh, he touched me And oh, the joy that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me And made me whole He touched me Oh, He touched me And all the joy That floods my soul Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Amen. So today's scripture reading is Psalms 34, verse 3, 5, and 7. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I think as uh, Amy said earlier, our message this morning in lieu of uh, Joy's voice deserting her is um, the curse for soul fatigue. The cure, I'm sorry, the cure for soul fatigue. (laughs) 
Wow. So we'll uh, watch that at this time. in Tacoma, Washington, there emerged a local hero of sorts by the name of Tattoo. This basset hound never intended to go for a walk that night, but had no choice when the owner accidentally caught its leash in the door and took off for a drive. It was Officer Terry Filbert who was working the corner of 45th and Adams Street that night when he noticed a car dragging something behind it. In his words, As he looked closer, he said it was a dog, quotes, picking him up and putting him down as fast as he could go. Uh, He gave chase. Finally, the vehicle pulled over, but not before they had reached speeds in excess of 35 miles an hour, and the dog had rolled over several times. Officer explained why he pulled him over, and the driver jumped out, screaming, Tattoo! Tattoo! Well, as it turned out... Tattoo was fine, no broken bones, and no citation was issued. Do you ever feel like Tattoo? (laughs) Picking them up and putting them down as fast as you can go, racing faster than you could ever hope to run? If so, you're not alone. We live in a world of weary folk who suffer from a malady that I call soul fatigue. It's not just being tired, but soul fatigue is this weariness of a spirit. Like, life isn't quite turning out the way that you had hoped. It's the sense that you don't really live out your deepest values, that what you want to do, you don't end up doing, and vice versa. Ever feel like you have soul fatigue? I'm going to give you some symptoms this morning. encourage you to write them down if you'd like so that you can assess how you're doing on this. Sort of give yourself a self-diagnosis on soul fatigue. The first symptom would simply be hurry. Hurry. We live in a world where everybody seems to be in such a hurry. Have you noticed this? Number one pizza maker in America is Domino's Pizza. The CEO brags, we don't even sell pizza. We sell fast delivery. And if you've ever tasted Domino's pizza, you know that's true. (laughs) Number one, shampoo. The product that first combined conditioner and shampoo so that we'd no longer need to rinse, saving us 6.4 seconds every shower. And we love that stuff because it saves us time. Every day, millions of Americans flock to greasy hamburger joints to eat. Not because it's good food or even cheap food, but because it's what? Fast food. But it wasn't fast enough. So we invented the drive through This way, you don't even need to come to a complete stop before you get your supper. <laughs> See, now... We can eat together. Families can eat together in the minivan like God intended from the beginning of time. (laughs) Meyer Friedman writes about hurry sickness and he claims it is a disease and it is destroying people physically and spiritually. I'm wondering if any of you have hurry sickness. 
uh, if you'd be willing to confess to it by raising your hands. I'll give you a few scenarios here to assess. And not yet, but see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, hurry up. We, we know where you're going. Just hurry, get there. Uh, no, I'll give you some scenarios so you can tell if you have hurry sickness. Uh, like, have you ever hit the elevator button more than once? You know that doesn't work. <laughs> if you ever find yourself feeling impatient with a microwave oven. <laughs> like, hurry up oven, cook the beans. What did they do back in like the days of Enoch when all they had were crock pots? It took a long time to cook beans. I think, I don't know, but... Here's a sure way to know. If you're in uh, a grocery store or some kind of a department store and you see two lines that are open, you count how many people are in each line. If it's a tie, then you count how many items are in each cart. If it's still a tie, you commit to one line, but you mentally mark where you would have been in the other line. then you're depressed if that person gets through quicker than you do. I was giving this talk not too long ago. A woman said, oh yeah, everybody does that. But she says, that's exactly why I have eight kids. I put one in every line. She says, this way I can go to Sam's Club and shop. Go for it. Okay, now it's time to confess. Any of you have symptoms of hurry sickness in your life? Just like I thought. A bunch of sick people. <laughs> Richard Swinson observes, we send packages by Federal Express. Use a long-distance company named Sprint. Manage our finances on Quicken. Schedule our appointments on a day runner, diet with slim fast, and swim in trunks made by Speedo. I mean, we don't all swim in trunks made by Speedo. I don't. <laughs> there are men who do, but they definitely should not. Uh, I'm sorry, but the Bible is very clear on that one. So. Even the language of our culture reminds us that everything's quick. We're in a hurry. A hurry is a symptom of soul fatigue. Another one, worry. I like the way Irma Bombeck put it. I'm good at worry. I worry about introducing people and going blank when I get to my mother. I worry about a snake coming up through the kitchen drain. I worry about the world ending at midnight and getting stuck with three hours on a 24-hour cold capsule. I worry about getting into the Guinness Book of World Records under pregnancy, oldest recorded birth. I worry what my dog thinks when he sees me getting out of the shower. <laughs> I worry about scientists discovering someday that lettuce has been fattening all along. 
I can relate. I'm good at worry. You remember what Jesus had to say about worry, right? Matthew 6. He said, don't worry. Look at the birds in the air, the flowers of the field. God takes care of them. Why would you worry? God will take care of you. Then this classic line, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Rather than obsessing over the applause of people, gaining possessions and position and uh, performance. that uh, would gain us the accolade. Jesus says, just live to please an audience of one. I tell you, when you get that clarity in your mind, that my life is all about just living in the presence of God, you discover this wonderful peace that you don't have to worry. God will take care of you. It's part of entering into this adventure of the kingdom of God rather than worrying about what everybody thinks. Because after all, the applause of man is so fickle and it is so fleeting. I was reminded of this not long ago in California. Uh, when I skipped out of some meetings, was in uh, Burbank, California, when someone approached a group of us there on the sidewalk and said, would you guys be willing to be a studio audience for a television program that we're taping? We said, sure. I didn't know what the program was. It was called Later apparently a very late night show. We were in this studio waiting for the star of the program to come. Apparently, he was caught in traffic. So we sat. This very poor comedian was trying to entertain us. Finally, in frustration, he said, ah, never mind. How about this? We practice the entrance of the star of the show. What I'll need is a volunteer. I did in that moment, as I always do when I hear that, look down, break eye contact, start hoping, please don't see me. And as always happens in a situation like that, I hear you, sir, in the green, Sterling Savings t-shirt, come on up here. I read it right there, Sterling Savings. And everybody kind of said, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, no, no. He said, no, no, come up. You guys want him to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I find myself up in front of this studio audience, these bright lights blaring and so on. And uh, he said, well, first, I'm going to need to know a little bit about you. Uh, what's your name? Carl. So far, so good. Where do you live? Walla Walla. Place busts up laughing. No, no, really, where do you live? Walla Walla. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do? <laughs> like it's any of his business. So, well, I, uh, pastor. <laughs> Everybody breaks up laughing. No, no, really, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor of a, of a church. Oh, really? What denomination? What <laughs> denomination? 
seventh Adventist. Ah, they're all laughing. No, no, really. What church? Seventh day Adventist. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I love Joseph Smith. <laughs> I didn't think it was the time to straighten him out right there, so I, I just let it go. Finally, he had what he needed, sent me into the back room. The orchestra started up. The big lights applause started flashing, and then I hear his voice over the loudspeaker. And now, ladies and gentlemen, that pastor you all love from Walla Walla, Washington, please give it up for Carl Heffern. I walk out onto the stage. It is loud, deafening applause. People are standing and cheering and shouting and throwing money. And <laughs> The story kind of grows in my own mind. <laughs> They were going crazy. You thought the president had canceled all taxes. And then suddenly, the lights went out. No longer applause flashing. And the place just got silent. Just like that. I thought, that's just about the way it really works, too. We try so hard and work so hard and get so stressed out. For what? Often, just to please people, to perform at a certain level. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. To acquire all these possessions and so on, to seek the approval of others. And just like that, it's gone. It is so fickle and fleeting. No wonder, Jesus said, just seek first to live in the presence of God. Seek his kingdom. And everything you really need will be taken care of. Don't worry. Third symptom of soul fatigue is clutter. You ever feel like your life is just so cluttered with stuff, overcommitments, things to do? Clutter, clutter, clutter. My brother called not too long ago, said, Carl, do you still need that mattress that you left at our house here a few years ago? So I don't know why. So well, I'm decluttering my life. It feels so good. I'm getting rid of everything that I can. I'd like to get rid of the mattress. I've already taken three pickup loads down to Goodwill. Uh, Faye, his wife, has already gotten rid of all except two of her dresses, and I'm hoping by the end of the day she'll get rid of those two, too. We're just getting rid of everything. By the time I hung up, I was feeling quite jealous, thinking, man, that sounds good. Just declutter. I remembered a book I bought at Costco some years ago Organize Thyself. It was written by Ronnie Eisberg, but I never really read it. Just one paragraph in the store thought, this looks good. But I couldn't remember where I put the... (laughs) So I started looking. I figured it was maybe in the garage. So I started cleaning the garage. Found 14 extension cords. Does that smack of dysfunctional to you? Like, I could plug in my transistor radio in Walla Walla and walk to Kalamazoo, Michigan and never lose power. (laughs) And old running shoes lined every wall of my garage. Well, you can't just throw out a pair of shoes that took you through a marathon, right? Shoes have feelings, too. And old paint. I got enough old paint to cover the Tower of Babel. And you never know when they're going to crank up construction and call me for supplies. So you don't get rid of paint. 
I never did find that book. I do, however, remember the one paragraph that I read. The author suggests that to declutter your life, what you need to do is put all your junk into a box. Tape it up, put today's date on it, then stick it away two years from that date. Go back. If you haven't needed anything in the box, just get rid of it. Don't even open it to see what you put in it. Get rid of it. I like that idea. I mentioned it that day to my wife. Woke up the next morning. She had put the date on my forehead. (laughs) Not sure what that meant. (laughs) John Ortberg writes, to whom I'm indebted for many of these thoughts, he writes, there are other, less material forms of clutter, Life is cluttered when we are weighed down by the burden of all the things that we have failed to say no to. Then comes the clutter of forgetting important dates, of missing appointments, of not following through. That's the way a lot of people live. Lives are so cluttered. Another symptom is just a general frantic spirit. Like whenever you try to just relax, you feel guilty, like there are things you should be doing. You come to chapel and you think, oh, I've got all this stuff to do, and you can't just let it go. A frantic spirit. A few years ago, my wife was taking classes at the college, which meant I watched our daughter at the time for a few hours on Wednesday nights. Well, on this one particular evening, I had the whole schedule lined out on my day timer. At first, we were going to play a game or two of Go Fish. Then we were going over to Kiwanis Park to check out the new playground equipment. From there, over to uh, Pepe's Pizza, and then on to the college pool for swimming. But in order to cram all of this into the evening, we needed to stay on schedule. Oh, we distracted as soon as we started playing Go Fish. Got involved in this little impromptu ballerina dance. Said, uh, sweetheart, it's your turn. Go. Hurry. She just kept twirling around the living room. I could feel my blood pressure. Sweetie, you asked me for a yak. I don't have a yak. Now, go fish. <laughs> then she asked me a question still taunts me. When I said, go fish, hurry, she said, "Uh, why? (laughs) So I started to answer her. Well, because we need to get over to the park and boy, then I stopped myself. It occurred to me, she's right, what is so holy about hurry anyway? I was like, she was saying, daddy, why don't you don a little tutu and join the dance with me? (laughs) You might enjoy that? So often we just go through life with this frantic spirit. Another symptom is related, but it's this sense of emptiness. Like my life isn't what I had hoped it would be. It's just not turning out the way I had wished. You ask about anybody these days, how you doing? If they expound beyond the simple, oh, fine, thank you, so often they will just go into this tirade about how crazy and frantic and busy 
their life has become. Have you noticed that? How you doing? Oh, you can't believe I got this class and that class and oh, this professor and then I'm committed over here and I'm volunteering there and I've got, oh, I'm just so busy. When's the last time you asked somebody, how you doing? And they responded by saying, well, I just have so much free time, I don't know what to do. <laughs> or somebody says, I figured out what my core values are. And I craft my life carefully around those core values. And what's most important to me is living in the presence of God, my relationship with Him. And so I carve out a lot of time each day for that. And then people are important, so I do some time there. And other than that, I've just got a lot of free time because I know what's important and I live out those core values. Very few people live that way. But the real question is, why not? Why not? Eugene Peterson writes, the puzzle is why so many people live so badly. Not so wickedly, not so inanely, but so inanely. Not so cruelly, but so stupidly. There's little to admire and less to imitate in the people who are prominent in our culture. We have celebrities, but not saints. Famous entertainers amuse a nation of bored insomniacs, infamous criminals, act out the aggressions of timid conformists. Petulant and spoiled athletes play games vicariously for lazy and apathetic spectators. People, aimless and bored, amuse themselves with trivia and trash. Neither the adventure of goodness nor the pursuit of righteousness gets headlines anymore. A lot of people go to bed at night this nagging sense that I didn't really live out my deepest values. What's important to me is God and I spent no time with God. And again, the question is, why not? Well, soul fatigue. Soul fatigue creates people who are always rushed, always behind, indecisive, superficial, disconnected from God, discontent, and just too weary and fatigued to care. And we live in a society that presses people into this mold. And so it almost becomes like it's normal. Many people never really live out the adventure of the kingdom of God. Not because they don't want to. Not because they don't think it's important. Many people never really have needed relational confrontations. They never really uh, serve the poor or do the things that they really would down deep like to do. Again, not because they resist God or shake a fist of rebellion in his face at all. It's just they're too fatigued and tired to do it. And I'm telling you, we don't have to live like that. It really is possible to live the adventure of the kingdom here on this campus today. To live in the presence of God. Jesus said as much. When he saw weary people who were wobbling around with soul fatigue, this is what he said to them. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls.
Sounds inviting, doesn't it? To find true rest for your soul. From another translation, the message puts the verse like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that line. I start most every day by saying, God, teach me your unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus then goes on to say, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will live freely and lightly. Wouldn't you love to do that? You can. How? Jesus told us. Come to me. Live in the presence of Jesus. There was an interesting project that scientists conducted where they took two lambs, twin brothers. They set up this pen with a number of different eating stations, all of them plugged in so that when the lamb would venture and start toward that feeding station and start eating there, it would get zapped with a jolt of electricity. They put the first lamb into this pen, and sure enough, it wandered toward the feeding station, started to eat, got jolted, retreated to the center of the pen, and just started shaking violently. After a while, it mustered up the courage to go to another feeding station, not to the first one, but to another one. Same result, returned to the center of the pen, same thing, started shaking uncontrollably. Eventually, it went still to another feeding station. It never returned to the one that it had already tried. When it had exhausted all of its options with the same result, it again went to the center of the pen and just collapsed with a nervous breakdown. They repeated the experiment again, only this time they took that lamb's twin brother. And the only difference was now they put the lamb's mother in the center of the pen. Interestingly enough, the lamb ventured toward the feeding station as they expected would happen, tried to eat, got jolted, retreated to its mother, wasn't there very long, and went back to the same feeding station. It did this over and over, never did have a nervous breakdown. Leading researchers to conclude that lambs can take a lot of stress, providing the animal has a reference point to which it can retreat. We can endure a lot of stress so long as we have a place to which we can retreat, a reference point. And you and I, we have that reference point. It is the Lamb of God who invites us, come unto me and you will find rest for your soul. God, in this world that is so crazy with appointments and commitments, expectations that we put on ourselves, that others put on us, In this world where we so often just find ourselves running mad, 
in this moment, we stop and revel in the quietness of your voice that whispers your unconditional love and grace to each of us and invites us to live in your presence. May we do that today is my prayer in your name.